Hey, y'all. You're listening to How I Got Here with Drina Whitfield, the podcast that dives deep into the unique journeys of some of the dopest entrepreneurs, business leaders, and personalities I know. I'm your host, Drina Whitfield. I created this podcast to have real, honest conversations about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Grab your notebook, sit back, relax, and catch these gems. So today I am talking with entrepreneur, real estate developer, real estate investor, and one of the youngest Black hotel owners in the industry, Jessica Myers. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. So here's a question that I like to start all of the podcast interviews with, because I like to kind of align the dots with where you are today with where you came from. So when you were graduating high school, what did you write in your yearbook when you were asked that question? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, already in high school, I was already two years into my career at Fox 5. Thankfully, through to um, the Emma Bowen Foundation, I got on early on in media because I knew I was like, I want to make an impact. Just as I see my dad make an impact and other people in my life, how do I make that impact? And I realized media was the most influential medium. So Mm -hmm. everything pointed to you're going to be a television rock star. And I thought I was going to go that way through the news. But now it's interesting how life kind of funnels you away. And while a lot of those skills were transferable and obviously now even doing the media tours that we're doing, that has helped. And I'm leaning in the similar direction, except it's real estate. Mm. Still led from a passion of impacting the most number of people. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you graduated high school, you already had this laser focus on being in the media industry. Is that what you pursued at Georgia State? Yes. Was that yes. your college degree? Yeah, okay. I, I was a journalism major and um, everything, you know, everything poured to cool. I was going to be in television. Love it. You have a very, you have a broadcast voice, might I add. You definitely do. (laughs) Thank you. So what was your first job experience out of college? Was it, you know, when people get into the media industry, they kind of start on the lower end of the totem pole. So what was your first role there? Well, thankfully, I got into several programs because just like you said, I was very scared of having to climb from the bottom. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I got into a lot of programs. I was in the Emma Bowen Foundation that gave me five years at Fox while I was in high school through college. Then when I graduated, I got into the International Radio and Television Society cohort that took me to New York. Because as anybody know, when you get into media, you want to climb that corporate ladder and get to the number one market. So I found myself at 22 working at the Nick Cannon Morning Show at CBS. Wow. And while it was amazing, my gram was popping. I saw Bruno Mars, Jason Derulo, uh, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, like Jay-Z, all the celebrities all the time. Until one day I had an experience with one of the celebrities who actually knew some of my family from Atlanta. And I realized we saw each other, we hugged, and it was very hollow. It was Mm. very like, yeah, it was popping for the gram. (laughs) It was a hollow experience for me. It was like, what did that do to my life? That didn't add any money to my bank account. And that's when I started talking to my dad. I was like, I done spent all this time since I was 16, 17 in high school, climbing the corporate ladder. And here I am at the Nick Cannon Morning Show at the number one market here in Atlanta. I mean, uh, here in New York. And it's not the experience I set out to do when I wanted to make an impact going into media. 
Mm. And my dad was like, you spend so much time climbing up the corporate ladder. What if the ladder is on the wrong wall? Ooh. And that enlightenment is what started the trajectory of fulfillment of purpose, ownership, and really connecting with my dreams and not just looking for, you know, a 22 year old living a fast life in, in New York, mm-hmm. but really going to fulfillment and purpose that I set out to do when I wrote in my high school journal, what I would be in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's ultimately what led me down the track, which I found real estate and I found passion. I found how I can help people, how I can utilize my media background to amplify that. And then now how we get into hotel ownership. And so you climbed the corporate ladder. And I mean, that's an amazing, amazing accomplishment to be in, like, like you said, at age 22, the number one market and on the Nick Cannon morning show. What was your role there? And how long did you stay there? I actually was in the sales division and I was there for about two years mm, and I was okay. in sales. So that, that was another thing. Like I actually started out, you know, wanting to be passionate. And at Fox, I realized that the people with the money were actually the ones that moved what we talked about. So that's where I was like, oh, well, let me get into sales if that's the route that's actually going to make impact. But before you know it, I'm in sales and I'm working, working, working. And I closed a very huge and sizable deal. And my commission check, it was barely ended. I was like, wait, this does not reflect (laughs) all the work that I had been putting in, the hard work that I had done. And that's when I realized like, wait, if I stay here and keep working, I'm only going to go, but so far, like as I was receiving, because I wound up transferring back here, back home to Atlanta and I still stayed with CBS. And as I was receiving my five-year plaque, there was someone else there receiving a 25-year plaque. Mm. And I realized that my 20-year trajectory, like you said, your 10-year trajectory from high school, my 20-year trajectory looked the same way that I am now, except older. Like you get mm-hmm. nothing else different. The experience is the same. And you just do this for 20 years. And as any millennial, I'm sure right now is probably shaking their boots in corporate America. That's yeah. going through a lot of the same things. My mission is you can make it without having to depend upon corporate dependence. Like work because you want to. I have so many friends. Like I, I was speaking to my girlfriend yesterday with AT&T. She loves it. Mm-hmm. Another uh, sorority sister of mine, she's out in um, Arizona. She loves working for, for Intel and a lot of these companies. Work because you want to, not because you have to. Because mm-hmm. in my experience, even at 17, I've seen so many people that were disgruntled at work. The way I work like, oh, I can't wait till Friday. Or dreading on Sunday going into work on Monday. And I'm like, I want you to wake up with the same excitement passion and fulfillment that I envisioned when I was in high school and I couldn't wait to be grown. That is what we need to be on. And that's what I've been able to secure through getting started in real estate. And that, that is ultimately what I'm looking to amplify. Yeah. I mean, you got to love what you do, right? Because when you're, you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. You're extremely passionate about the work that you do and you go in day to day, like really charged up and ready to go. Yep. So you were at the Nikana show for two years and ultimately you left that role to, you know, jump feet first into real estate investment, right? I actually transferred back down here to Atlanta. And so I did stay at CBS a couple more years. Okay. And because actually, I, I actually, I went in to quit my job. So, 
after this whole plaque ceremony where I received the five years and I realized, because I came back down south to find myself and to connect Come with back home. Yeah. yeah and, and before you know it, I'm still at the job, right? While I'm looking for purpose and passion. And that is when I, I did my friend. She was like, come with me to this Les Brown conference. And I was like, well, I need all the motivation I can get. And that's when I was introduced to real estate. So from there, I went back to quit my job. I, was, I went back, told my boss, like, hey, I found something meaningful. I'm quitting. <laughs> and thankfully, he was an angel in disguise and was like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to go figure it out. And he was like, stay here a year. Oh, I wow. You, I will give you a year. Stay here. Figure out which direction you want to go and what it looks like and then leave. He was like, don't just abruptly leave. Wow. I love that I, because I mean, I quit when I launched my company, I just went in and gave my two weeks notice <laughs> and I was like, peace, I'm out. I didn't have any like backup plan, no savings, none of that. And I just like, was just like, I can't take this anymore. Just like you, you weren't really, pa- I wasn't really passionate about the work that I was doing day in, day out. Mm-hmm. And so for your boss to be like, I hear you, I hear what you want to do, but stay here a year so you can really figure that out. A lot of people don't do that. So that he's definitely an angel for granting you that year. Yes, because a lot of people often ask me and I'm just like, I was blessed to have a boss that allowed me that time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And in that moment though, like to your point, I had to go balls to the walls because I'm like, I have him betting on me, his backing. I really have to do it. And oh, I failed miserably that first year. Like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh my God, yes. So I went balls to the walls and I just went and bought four houses. And it was so crazy because I had a contractor still uh, selling drugs out of my house. Stop I had it. another contractor. He walked away with $30,000. <sighs> I had another, another guy. He was like, oh, it's going to take uh, six weeks to do this project. Seven months later, we were still into the project. <laughs> Like everything that could have gone wrong. So I'm so grateful that I did at least have that nest egg. But I mm-hmm. realized that I appreciated my boss for that offer. But half-ass results is what I was getting because I was half-ass in it. I'm still but you, working. But you know what? One thing I do want to talk about how you were able to purchase four homes. Because I'm like, wait, what? All at once? Yeah. And two, when you go through like... You know, anyone who goes through renovations or just the home buying process is it's all just part of the learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about how you were able to purchase those four homes. Did you have like a nice little cushion saved? Did that year allow you to really stack your bread and get it to a place where you can go and say, hey, I want to purchase this home. I want to purchase this home and I want to purchase this home. So no, actually, and this is a, what, so the way I did it, I do not suggest and recommend other people do it, but it was a slight hack. <laughs> When I went to the real estate conference, they told us that, cool, you can leverage your credit to get access to business capital. Mm. And that's exactly what I did at the time. You know, I was working, no major interruptions, no bad debt. So at the time I had a 750 credit score and I was able to get access to business capital. Through the business capital fused with hard money lenders or private group of hedge funds, that lend on, you know, these type of properties. That's how I was able to get into the property. Because honestly, I started out as a wholesaler, which is finding mm. the deals. And after, which is a skill set that taught me how to identify opportunity, how to negotiate with the owner, and then how to get the property under contract. That uh. is the skill set that 
I teach in our course, wholesaler to hotel owner, how to find a property, what to do with it when you have a property, and then how to negotiate the numbers. And so Mm. after negotiating enough deals, I was like, wait, these buyers are the people that I'm giving the property to. They're doing the same thing. Like they're having to go to the lender, get approved, Mm. get access to, you know, ten dollars to $15,000 rather quickly. And they're buying the deal that I'm giving them. So that's where, like I said, I got very aggressive and I was like, you know, I'm finding the deals. I'm doing all the work. Let me, you know, I can get access to business capital. Mind you, when I first started this at my job, I was not making a lot of money. I was making like about $60,000. So I was not, I was not making enough to just go out and, and buy up houses. Right. Right. Cause that's why I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) tell me the secret. No. I, le- I leveraged my um, access to capital to get into deals. That is how mm-hmm. I was able to make it happen. So were these homes that you were you were planning to flip, right? These four homes? Yes. Yes. So let's just talk a bit about that process because I want to know, like, I mean, you touched on it a bit, but like, was there any point when you were like, what the hell did I have I gotten myself oh, yes. into? Oh, yeah. So thankfully, my husband, like, so I didn't purchase them all at one time. First one came in. Okay. <laughs> I got the education in December in, in wholesaling. I hit the ground running in January. So I found my first deal by February to purchase. Then okay. by the end of February, I purchased the second. Then in March the 3rd and in April the 4th. By the time I purchased the fourth one, my husband was like, um, stop. Like, you, because <laughs> it was so easy to acquire the houses. Once I had the education, once I had the knowledge, it honestly was rather, it's easy to acquire them. It's not easy to, to get out of them, mm-hmm. but it was rather easy to hand, to get into them. And thankfully, you know, my husband was like, stop purchasing and figure this out. Because the first one that I bought in February, that was the one I was telling you that they were selling drugs out of the house. And it was a very drug infested neighborhood. I wound up having to give that house up before even renovating it. Oh, wow. And so that like, that's how bad it was. So I was like, cool. Well, the second one will help make up for the first one. Mm-hmm. But then the second one is where, you know, I, like I said, I have a lot of credit. The The guy said, cool, it'll be $30,000. I was like, well, here's $30,000. And he left and I didn't see him again. So none of the work I'd done. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. So how old were you when this happened? This, I was 27, 28. Oh, God. Still at work? Still yes. working? Yes. Yes. Oh, and so what happened is for one, I was trying to do it on my own. So that's where I began, you know, these first few homes, while they were so traumatic going through and processing from losing a lot of money. Um, and at this point I'm like, well, I got to make up the money from the loan. So that's yeah. what, what kept me going. And so that's what got me back into wholesaling because wholesaling is a way where it's selling it to an investor. I can make my money back very quickly. So it wasn't the 30,000 right away, but ultimately after the first year and within 90 days, I was able to generate my annual salary just from wholesaling. So I was like, you know what? I, that's why I practice a fusion. I practice a fusion of renovations and getting in the flips as well as wholesaling to help generate capital because mm-hmm. it, was, it was making up for a lot of mistakes until I finally was able to build a team. My friend from college, um, he actually was in real estate at the same time. And he, he was like, hey, Jess, let me come. You know, I, I see you doing buying all these properties. Let me see what you're doing. And uh, I had to admit, embarrassingly, that it was not going well. <laughs> and so he came in and he was like, he actually does construction management. 
So while I handled the numbers and the negotiation and getting the property, he actually handles running the property to make sure you're dealing with reputable subs and things like that. And so we fused together and that is where I started a successful track record in real estate. But it came from building a team. It came from all of the, you know, mess ups in the in the beginning that ultimately led to, to me partnering with him. And the projects just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then mm-hmm. even as we were working, you know, another girlfriend of mine from college, Devon, we started, you know, going to lunch and, and she was, you know, I was excited about things finally turning around in, in the single family space. And she was like, well, you know, because um, at the time I set a goal to generate a thousand doors. And she was like, well, you know, you're doing that one by one by one. And mind you, I just started getting my footing in the single family space. She was like, you know, if you do that in the commercial space, you can actually do that a lot greater. So a thousand doors doesn't have to look by four homes at a time or six homes at a time. You can get it 80, 100, 200. And started to working with her while still doing my single family, but start working with her. And that's how we were ultimately, which led us to purchasing the Hilton, the Home Two Suites by Hilton in El Reno, Oklahoma. By this time, you had already quit your job, right? Yes, yes. I wound up ultimately after a lot of the mistakes and the mishaps and the steps, I realized that I needed to spend more time focusing on the real estate because Mm -hmm. yes, he gave me a year, but I still had obligations at work. Mm -hmm. And I was doing them a disservice by half-assing my job. I was doing myself a disservice because all this money was just draining out. And my husband was looking at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to do too much. I'm splitting my time. I have to just take a clean break. And ultimately in 2017, I made my, after I generated my annual salary in wholesaling, that's when I was able to make a clean break from corporate America. Got it. And so then once you left, once you left corporate America, you were still in a single family home space, right? And how about, how long did you do that until... I mean, how long did you form that until you formed the Epic Collective with your girlfriend? Um, Epic Collective was formed at the end of 2018. Okay. And it was formalized in 2019. So I quit my job in 2017. And then that's when I was doing the single family homes or whatever. And then, you know, Devon and I were just hanging out over lunch. And then it started to formalize and get more serious in 2018. And that's where we really set out on a mission in 2019 to, we are going to do this. We're going to purchase a commercial real estate asset that will really make a difference, you know, move the needle because mm-hmm. single family, it was moving the needle, but rather slowly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, the home runs that I was looking for at the time, even though I was able, you know, wholesaling allowed me the opportunity to make up for a lot of the loss, but it still, you know, it wasn't all the way there. And that's where she was like, you know, commercial real estate will help to open up more doors. So that's where it's just, so through this discovery, through, I mean, this is a lot of lessons. And now looking back on the lessons, I realize that it's the ownership, it's the ownership. I realized that there weren't a lot of resources to give me guidance. There wasn't a roadmap. And that's what has me so passionate now. Like, hey, here is how I was able to use my wholesaling. This is how I was able to use ownership to get out of a sticky situation. Because it was very hard to leave, you know, to leave corporate America with, you know, knowing that I had a check every two weeks. That's what I was going to ask. Can you talk a little bit about wholesaling and like how you, I know you took a a real estate investment course, but really break that down for people who are really trying to understand this concept. 
So wholesaling, as with any industry, and I feel like it gets overlooked in real estate, but even if you go to the grocery store, you know that they may have purchased the bread for a dollar per unit, but they're selling it to you for $3. That ultimately is wholesaling, right? When the the grocery store buys it in bulk for a dollar per package of bread, and then they sell it each unit for $3. That is the same concept that happens in the home buying process. Before a home hits the market and it's all dressed up and pretty, someone had to acquire it at a much less cost to fix it up and make a profit. That is called wholesaling. Do you need your real estate license for that? Oh, no, not at all. And actually, a lot of people pass by opportunity all the time. How many times do you pass by a house that was overgrown, overrun? It's like somebody needs to do something to that house, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and we pass opportunity all the time, but we just don't know what to do with it because we don't have the education around it. But what happens is is, it's no different than, you know, in the diamond industry where you get the diamonds from overseas for a low price and you come over here and you mark it up. So you find a home like that that's distressed, that needs work, that looks dilapidated and, and horrible, you know, the worst house in the best community. And you're able to, you know, that's where I teach the strategies of how to negotiate with a seller, how to find the seller and how to get the property under contract. And then now I connect them with buyers or investors that have the capital and I get paid an assignment fee in between. So Mm -hmm. I'm not actually doing the work. I'm not an agent. I'm just connecting them or marketing this property to a buyer or someone with the money that can continue on the work. And I get paid an assignment fee. And that's the concept of wholesaling that helped to change my dependence on corporate funds. Because mm. I was, like I was saying, I was used to the two weeks payment. Yeah. But now betting on yourself, you eat what you kill. There's no two week payment set up. Exactly. Like, I, I don't know the next time I'm going to get paid unless I'm setting up cash flow or, um, you know, have a wholesale deal in the, in the pipeline. So when you gave in your notice... And you're home that next day in your living room. <laughs> what put that battery in your back to be like, you know what, Jess, it's time to get up and turn up a little bit. At that time, you know, I got into real estate 2016 and that's where I lost a lot. Mm-hmm. So in 2017, to finally have made up a lot of my loss, I realized like I have to move, like I have to move forward. It's, it's literally do or die. Because at this point, my year is up that my boss gave me. So it's like, whether I want to or not, my time is coming to a close. And I know that I need to generate more capital to make up for a lot of the elements that happen. So it, it literally was very motivating. Like, you got to get it. You you have like, what are your other options? Because I paid a good, I paid a lot of money for the education. And it's like, okay, I paid a lot for the education, but now I'm getting a lot more education actually doing it. Right. I'm learning a lot as I'm doing this. And I need a win. And so ultimately, that's that's what drove me. I stayed in networking events. I went to at least four networking events a week mm-hmm. as I was doing this because it's weird because, you know, I was very religious growing up and I, I was in church from Sunday to Sunday. I'm not I'm not so much religious now, you know, more spiritual, but I understand the essence of being around people in the same community of the like mind. And that's what drove me to go to a lot of networking events because I told my grandmother I quit. And she was like, baby, why would you do that? You know, she called me crazy <laughs> exactly. and everything else. But, you know, it, it, it's like, wait, 
why did you quit? But then when I announced that I quit in the networking event, the entire room roared and they cheered and they're just like, yay. You know, when your family's calling you crazy yeah, and your network is just like excited, you did it. It was, it was a very um, paradoxical or polarizing moment, I'll say. Because, you know, all the people that loved me were just like, what are you doing? You've been working your whole life in media. Why are you walking away? But then, you know, I had I was surrounding myself in different circles that was celebrating and promoting entrepreneurship. Even with you, you know, you mentioned, did you have to change your circle when you got into entrepreneurship? I did. Because like you, a lot of people were looking at me like I was crazy. I mean, I had a great support system. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, kind of just took on like a lot of our bills. I mean, there were moments where I went back to work in retail space because like you said, things aren't always great. You know, you'll hit those low moments when you're like, I got to figure it out. But being in different, like you said, going to networking events, being in different circles really helped balance out some of the, you know, comments that I were getting, I was getting from my family members and friends that, you know, kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, and that, that's why it's important too, to, when people say your net work is your net worth, yep. I understand now because you're around mindset and it, like, you know, hence Davon, you know, I'm telling her, yeah, I want to own a thousand doors. A lot of my friends were like, suck, good luck. Oh, well, that's about to be a lifelong dream. You got a friend who's mm-hmm. like, no, hey, I got hospitality experience. We can go buy this hotel. That that way you can come up 85 doors real quick. Yeah, I think it's when you have people in your circle who are like kind of in that same mind frame or you know, my best friend at the time, we both started our businesses at the same time. So we were both entrepreneurs kind of going through the struggle. And it sounds like you and Davon were both like, look, we're trying to figure this thing out. Let's do this together and make it work. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. That That's why I, it's so important to go to networking events so that you can meet people on your same vibration. You can meet people where you are. Like if I'm tuned in to 103.3, you know, here in Atlanta, that's a popular station, V103. But if I'm tuned in there, you can't be on 98.5 trying to reach my level. Yeah. I have to be tuned in with people at my frequency or higher to get and achieve more. That is the point of the platform is that don't keep going into work unhappy. There are ways and there are tools that you can take so that you can own your time, so that you can own your freedom. It's really about raising the narrative of what's possible. And, you know, at the time it just started out, you know, achieving my dreams, like wanting to get out of corporate America, working deal after deal after deal to figure out a different way. And now it opened up to hotel ownership because we were in the right circles. We were talking to the right people. And then we realized that in the rooms that we're going in, you know, like I said, we were just doing this for us. We weren't doing this to make history. We weren't doing this to to get, you know, a lot of the attention, we were doing it to accomplish a goal. And in doing so, we realized there weren't many people that looked like us in the room. Mm. The different networking circles we were going to, we were the only ones there that looked like us. That's why after we did what we did and we were able to bring the tables together, we started on the platform like, hey, there is a way we can get into ownership. There is a way that we can do things differently because nobody taught me what to do. As far as quitting my job, getting into, you know, entrepreneurship to fund my lifestyle. No one showed me the way. 
I literally was figuring it out. That's why, you know, the story can seem like it was jumping all over the place, but that's how I felt for those years that I was jumping all over the place, trying to figure this out. Thankfully, I had my boss who helped me out in that respect. Everybody may not have access to that, but it's a lot of, how do I figure this out? What is the next step? That's why I'm saying real estate allows you the access to ownership and financial freedom once you're able to set it up, an engine, so that now you can live the life of your dreams. It's always been, thinking back to that 16 and 17-year-old girl that wrote in her yearbook, the passion stayed the same of wanting to impact the masses. I just now have a new medium to do so. And that's what I'm so excited about. You know, the work that we're doing from the hotel ownership, from the properties that I purchased in Brunswick, that will create cash flow and affordable housing. It's like in this space, purpose and fulfillment has continuously unveiled because, like I said, I just purchased the six houses just to purchase them, right? Because it was a good deal. But now looking at the community impact, looking at the affordable housing mm-hmm. you need to provide, looking at the jobs, it's like, what? It's this is what you were designed. This is the purpose, the fulfillment that you were seeking. And that's what I'm so excited about what I get to do. So in that time frame, when after you you left your job and before you got into the commercial space, was there a moment when you were like, you know what, I'm really good at this? What was that moment? When after my business partner came together, well, the the one from college, Greg, mm-hmm. and after we came together and we did a few successful renovations and flips and seeing the investors that I worked with to get the job done, their firsthand at real estate investing to see that they did not have to go through what I went through because there was a team in place. There was a team in place to handle the funds, to handle the contractors, to handle the quality of the work. That ultimately for me was like, wow, we did this. We built the team. We brought the players to the table. The investors had an amazing experience. The con- like that was like, wow, this is what I wanted for me, but I didn't have. But now I'm able to provide this team, the knowledge, the know-how so that other people don't have to go through. You know, you have cameras on your property. So you know that if somebody's selling drugs and bringing all types of people to your house that you're not left vulnerable. You know, you have teams in place where we pay based on work completed and not just based off contracted price. Mm-hmm. So there were there were processes and systems that we put in place to ensure success. And that, to me, was the win. About how many properties would you say you have purchased before you went into the commercial space? It was a bad transacted over 20 properties at that point. By 2018, looking to get into the commercial space, it was about 20, 20 properties. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, the, por- the portfolio grew rather quickly. And I mean, like I said, we got a team and the team kept expanding. The team helps, you know, like you said, create systems so you can go out. I'm sure they helped with like creating the system so you can go out and purchase more properties. Exactly. And the quality of which we were finishing too, which mm-hmm. continued to elevate. So talk to me a little bit about the Epic Collective. I know you touched on it a little bit earlier with you and Davon. I love that you guys came together as friends, as sisters, yes. as entrepreneurs to really yes. go after the hotel industry. Yes. 
Yeah, Tell so, me about this. I need to know about this. So, so like I said, I mean, that, she's been my girlfriend. And so while in college, I was working at Fox. She was working at the Hyatt. And she was just a hard worker. And we kept in touch. Like, even when I was in New York, she was in Boston. And, you know, I would often go up there and we just party and hang. And so coming back here, knowing that I was in the single family space, she and that's where, you know, just through conversation, because we were just going to lunch. And really, she was just my girlfriend. But it became something where we started talking about visions. We started talking about our goals. Like she wanted to create 221 hotel owners. I wanted to generate 1,000 doors. And it was just like, how do we bring our visions to create something epic? And that's where she was like, hey, you know, I'm part of NABHUD. They're doing a conference on hotel ownership. You know, you should come down. And so she started alerting me about a lot of these networking events that were in the hospitality space. And like I said, that's when we started looking at each other as we're at these events. We're like, where are we? And that's where we were like, hey, we need to do something about this. So we started educating people about commercial real estate. I mean, you talk about epic failure. We had our first event just <laughs> telling people just about commercial real estate. Nobody came. It was a free event. Nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody came. And it was just like, wow, like, are we really going to the right space? You know, we're trying to get in the commercial space. We're trying to get more people of color in there, but nobody's hearing us. So we were just and that. That's why I was like, you know what? We have to do it first before we can start telling other people, because obviously they don't want to listen until we've done it. And that's where we just held our head down. We start looking for a deal. We brought together the right players on the team to make it happen. And that's how we partner with Nassau Investments. And they actually had a deal on the table because, you know, when COVID happened, we were like, well, damn, you know, we haven't acquired a hotel yet. What do we do? And that's why networking, they were like, you know, most millionaires are made in a down market. So it's not, oh man, we're in a down market. It's, oh yes, everything is on sale. Like you get a $14 million hotel for a fraction of the cost because it's in a down market. It's almost like a container. Like, yes, the value or the liquid in it may be down, but once the economy comes back around, the liquidity in the container comes back up. You have to own the asset. So that's where we were able to partner with NASA Investments, and we were able to bring other investors to the table as well. So now we created multiple hotel owners through this transaction. We were the youngest in the deal, but it still took our prowess to bring all of the parts together to make it happen, but it came from networking. It came from the education. And Devon is the hotel hospitality expert. She's managed billions of dollars in hotel assets when she was up in Boston. And so she was able to come back and our our visions aligned. And that's the point of networking and meeting and, and spending time with the right people because she saw my vision, I saw hers, and we had a work ethic that got us to the table. Love it. That deal was valued over $8 million, right? Yes, yes, yes. Y'all better come on. Yes, yes, yes. We were able to bring the players to the table. But the biggest thing is that I'm working on developing so many other people. Like now that we've done it, now that we have a proof of concept, now we can get back to the mission that we were on of creating other owners, showing others that, You can live a fulfilled life through ownership of real estate, through the education of how to really change your trajectory, 
that's what we're so passionate about doing. Really, really changing the narrative. And this is my form of protest. We were left out of the conversation. That's why I didn't know what all I was doing. I was just taking steps at each turn, making the best decision I knew how. But now that I understand what it took to get to where we were, it's how do we teach and empower others so that they can have that same ownership too. So we don't have to worry about the COVID layoffs. We're like, fine, fire me. I was not hireable in the first place because now I understand access to capital. I understand how to make a way out of no way and utilize real estate to build my nest egg and pay my bills so that I can now live the life of my dreams. Were you still scared though during this process, especially because you were doing this during COVID? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, it definitely. And, and that that's the interesting part of trying to make sense of the story because I was scared every step of the way. It's not until after you do it and you look back and you're like, wow, we did it. Because I mean, that's a big yeah. undertaking. I mean, I was hell, I was scared when we took on a $350,000 house to tear down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we built back because, um, you know, I started doing development as well on the many properties that we started doing. I was scared of the $350,000 purchase. So hell yeah, a multi-million dollar purchase. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, if I don't pay my bill for this $350,000 house, cool, they'll take it. But if I don't pay my bill here, <laughs> that's a much larger taking. It definitely was scary. But the more you surround yourself with people who know how to navigate tough situations, mm-hmm. the better you fit and the more secure you feel. It's almost like it may be scary. What's something that's scary? Crossing a bridge with no rails. But if yeah. you put rails up, it takes the risk down. I mean, yep. still a little scary, but it takes down the risk. And that's the power of education. That's the power of the courses that we teach from wholesaler to hotel owner. The book that we've written, Epic Conversations on Wealth. Speaking and picking the brains of commercial real estate experts to understand how do I acquire it? How do I build my team? And how do I get to success? That is one thing that I feel like we've been left out of the conversation. That's why Mm -hmm. I just had to figure it out and it felt all over the place because I didn't have guidance. So now that we've actually completed the deal, I can look back and it gives me confidence. But at Mm -hmm. the time, hell yeah, I was scared. But you just got to figure it out. That's part of the process. And those make for the best stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's about staying consistent. So anyone who's out there, it's staying consistent, getting knowledge base and being smart about your decisions. Like, you know, it took a lot of sacrifice. I wasn't at all of the parties. I wasn't at all. Don't get me wrong. I like to party. I like to get down. But there was a lot of sacrifice early on in my career. I mean, you're talking about working at corporate America full time along with pursuing your dream. Yes, he gave me that you know, leeway, but I still had to go and put in the work at both places. It still was a lot of sleepless nights where I have to come home and put numbers so that I can make calls the next day when I get off work to call these sellers to negotiate. And it's it's, it's interesting now, I can just talk about it in the 30 minute conversation, but I mean, you're talking about hours and hours of time that I would have to come home and now turn on for myself. This is how I was able to build that ramp up so that I can fund my life. Because the, the point is you're, you're buying time. You're buying time to think of ways to make more money. And so it came for me from wholesaling 
to wholesaling to renovation, from renovation to development, from development to investment. And that's how I'm able to use that to invest in the hotel. I'm able to use that and parlay into other ventures. But it started out with wholesaling. Wholesaling was the precipice of what got me in. But I did that to buy my time. Once I generated my annual salary in 90-day period, that's when ultimately I was able to ultimately leave corporate America. And because people don't have that nest egg, because they're not able to get it, they're chained to the corporate desk. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Hey, wholesaling is a quick way. And once you get the education on it, find the house, you get it under contract, you negotiate with the seller, but those skills teach you negotiation. They teach you cold calling. They teach mm-hmm. you how to ultimately do business. So those skills transfer into whatever industry you're looking to get into. That's what I really love about the journey and how it unfolds, how every step of the way ultimately leads to the leadership and what we're able to do now in guiding others in how to make the same way for themselves. Love it. How has the pandemic affected, you know, I know you guys signed, like purchased it very early on, but how has it affected you being in the hotel industry? Did you like, have you had to pivot or navigate anything differently now? Well, if anything, that's where the opportunity was created through COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how, unfortunately, the previous owner, he had to liquidate his assets. And that's how we were able to take advantage of the opportunity. So while COVID, um, and we were able to save jobs because he very well could have lost his shirt. He very well could have had to shut everything down. But us acquiring the property, say, that's what I'm saying. Like when I went there and we talked to the employees, it was like, wow, like they were literally working seven days a week, only getting paid for five. Mm. Like that's how passionate they were about the hotel, the space, even though the owner pretty much abandoned them. He left them with no resources. I mean, the lights went out one time, the guests were mad and they went and bought flashlights out of their own personal pockets just to help some of the residents. Like that, that's how committed they were to making that happen. So to know we can save their jobs, to know we can bring them a 401k and pension plan and, and things like that. It's like, ah, like this is the bigger picture that I wanted to do at, yeah. in, in high school. This is what I was going for. The community aspect, helping to save jobs, helping to provide affordable housing. This is how we do it. Like I said, when I was doing it, I didn't know that's what the result would be. But seeing the impact, I now know. And I went back and did an autopsy on my success. I went and did an autopsy on my failures too. And understood what were the elements that worked, what didn't work, and how best now we can move forward. I love that, doing an autopsy of your success and your failures. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That, that's how you pull because in the midst of it, in the moment, you're making the best decision you know how. It's not until you go back and look on it that you're like, ah. Yep. Because even some of the questions you've asked today, I was like, ah, like I, I just, you know, when you asked me that question of what I thought in high school, I haven't thought about that since high school. Exactly. <laughs> but to see how it attributes to the larger picture, I'm like, ah, like it's, it's today, years old, that I realized that I am falling in line with that vision I had in high school. What's one piece of advice you would offer up to people who are looking to kind of emulate the path that you have, you know, kind of carved out for yourself? 
that are looking to get into real estate investment, want to know how like to get into purchasing commercial real estate? I definitely want to say trust the process. Because like I mentioned, there were several things that came into my life that I didn't know and, you know, the construction in and uh, the renovation, the development. I'm like, oh, what is all this? Like, like, it's easy for me to talk about the failures now, but going through them, there were very much sleepless nights, crying days. It was very painful, but I understand now everything I've been through has prepared me for this moment. Everything that I went through in the cold calling of the sellers prepared me for negotiation elements that I have in the commercial real estate space. Because yes, we purchased the hotel, but we kissed a lot of frogs. There was a hotel in Philly we were trying to get. There was a hotel in LA we were trying to get. There was another property in New Orleans we were trying to buy. They did not work. But trusting the process, understanding, I mean, and, and understanding that our success came through consistency. Like we had to keep going, keep knocking on doors amidst the nose. And that ultimately, it feels like an overnight success. Like, oh yeah, great. They just went and purchased the hotel. But we went through a lot before. And understanding that the process is pruning you for where you are to go and who you are to be, it really will help you to get a more level head in going through the challenges and the situations. It was not easy. And I know it's not easy for entrepreneurs. That's why I do a lot of encouragement, uplifting and things like that. Because, I mean, you get a lot of no's. You get a, a lot, lot of no's. Lot of no's. Yes. You, the story talks about one yes. It mentions nothing about the hundreds of no's. <laughs> so that's that. If anything, I can encourage anyone is to trust the process and stay consistent. Yep, I agree. I agree. Consistency is key. And just knowing like at the end of whatever you're going through, it's where you're meant to be. Exactly. Exactly. So Jessica, what what's next for you? So I actually just purchased um, six properties in Brunswick. Come on. Yes. And like I said, I when I purchased them, it was just a good deal. But now understanding the ramifications from the hotel and everything else, I realize that it's a bigger picture. It's about developing communities. It's about mm-hmm. providing affordable housing. It's changing the narrative of a historic district in a beautiful city of Brunswick. And not only am I working with other investors to make this happen and and make the dream and vision bigger and really change the narrative of what ownership means, but I'm just excited to, to really build cash flow opportunities, to really help other people understand how they can do this in their city, how you can take ownership in your city revitalize it while providing jobs and you can make a living for yourself. That's really what I'm passionate about, helping to understand how to collaborate, educate and execute. Those are the three elements that I'm really focusing on in doing these six developments. As well as we you know, we have a few other deals, you know, commercial deals in the pipeline. You know, we have a few hotels in the pipeline that we'll be announcing soon, but I'm really passionate about just getting to the grunt work and providing those jobs and that space for other developers, other owners to come in and really take back our communities. Exciting. I can't wait to hear about the new commercial spaces. Can't wait to see what you do with Brunswick. Oh, yeah. And what's the best way people can keep in touch with you and like get some of these gems that you've dropped on the show today? Follow me on Instagram at it's Jessica Myers and it's is a part of the handle. 
And also check us out on my website, itsjessicamyers.com. Itsjessicamyers.com. And those are the two best ways to connect with me, reach me. It's me on Instagram. You know, I would love to stay connected and really just just go to our website. That's where you can go to, to look more about the courses that we provide, wholesaler to hotel owner, as well as, you know, our newsletter. You can log, tap in, and you can set up a consultation. You know, maybe you want to figure out how you can do this on your own. Go to itsjessicamyers.com, and that's how you can find out more information. Listen, I'm definitely going to be looking into this course because I never even knew about wholesale as it relates to real estate. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to be hitting you up. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. I truly appreciate you sharing your journey with me and my listeners. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.